0: What's up, everyone? It's Coach Casey Lee, Parisi Speed School's Director of Coaching and Education. I am back with another episode of the Parisi Podcast featuring one of our affiliate owners in the country, Samantha Morgan. What is really cool about Dr. Sam, if you didn't catch it right there, is that Sam is going to school right now, currently in school, finishing up this year for her PhD in athletic training. Sam and I have an amazing conversation about some of the research in ACL reconstruction that she's doing. We talk about the profession of athletic training, and we also just kind of rift a little bit. I think it's a really cool conversation you guys are going to pull a lot out of. But before I dive into that conversation with Dr. Sam, what I wanted to remind you guys of is we have our spring 2022 Parisi Sports Performance Mentorship starting up. Registration is still open, but it starts on March 7th. That's going to be, gosh, a week from when you're hearing this podcast. I believe this is Monday, the 21st of February. Uh, You guys should check out the link in the show note. And what that link is going to do is it's going to take you to a five-day trial of our mentorship. I think it's really important you guys really see what you're getting into, the level of quality that we're providing, the deliverables, everything. Just check it out, link in the show notes, go through the five days Hopefully you like it and you join us for the rest of the 12 weeks. But if you don't like it, then you get some really cool stuff from the Parisi Speed School. So check it out. Link in the show notes. Sports Performance Mentorship starts March 7th, 2022. It's going to be a good time. We have an awesome, awesome, awesome array of guest Q&A panel coming up. Um, We've revamped the mentorship and added a couple phenomenal weeks, including linear speed programming, fascia science. It's going to be phenomenal. So I've done enough Yammer in here. Without further ado, we've got Dr. Sam Morgan on the other side of this music. Um, But I'm joined by soon-to-be Dr. Samantha Morgan. Sam, what's going on? Yes.
1: (laughs) Hi, everyone. Hope everyone's doing great. Happy Valentine's Day.
0: Yes. I didn't even start (laughs) with that. I should have. I'm joined by my Valentine, Samantha Morgan. Um, oh, yay. We are 12 hours removed from the Super Bowl on Super Bowl Monday. Valentine's Day. Go us. We are so productive. Uh, just getting this done. Um, but this is a cool podcast episode because I think you guys will learn really quickly that Sam has a very cool background. She has some incredibly cool education initiatives, but what, we're gonna dive into that here shortly. But Sam, if you could give the listeners like a 30 second to two minute who you are, what you do, where you do it, that would be awesome, and then uh, we'll dive into. I, I got a layup of a first question for you, and I think it's going to be really cool. All
1: right, so um, Samantha Morgan, I am from uh, Clearfield, Pennsylvania, which is about 45 minutes west of Penn State University. Um, I am a certified athletic trainer and performance enhancement specialist. Um, I'm currently enrolled at At Still University um, in Mesa, Arizona i um, getting my doctorate online, I have, this is my last year, so in December of 2022, um, I will have my DAT. Um, basically, I am also a mobile franchise owner of uh, Mo Fitness, powered by Parisi Speed School, and I also work in an uh, orthopedic surgeon's office, so I mean, i hitting the ground running pretty much most days, um, but it's, it's nice to also work at my high school that I graduated at as their, um, head athletic trainer in at Clearfield.
0: When I first so, met you, I was, I was blown away. You're one of the, free, like the first Parisis that I spoke with. And I remember talking to you being like, yeah, wow, you're like athletic trainer and you're doing like sports performance coaching. And then you just casually brought up that you were in your doctorate. Like that was like, the you're yeah. Like, oh yeah, no, I'm like, I'm going for my doctor right now. Like, you know, I, I was just yeah. blown away at how casual you presented that. And then we started talking about, um, all of that. And we'll get to that here in a second, but it's just, it's so fun. Like, I just am still blown away at how casual you're like, no, I, I, I own a sports performance company. I do, um, you know, et work, like literally in the trenches every day, working with high school athletes. I'm Going, I'm enrolled for my doctorate, I got one year left. Like it's not like I'm It just blows my mind when people are like, No, I want to do this, I want to do that, one of that. And it's like over here I'm talking to someone who's like, No, I'm making it all happen. I'm doing it, I'm kicking ass. Let's roll.
1: Yeah. Some days I'm um, I'm drowning, but it's <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. life. If I'm gonna be totally and like unequivocally honest, like there are some days where you're like, Oh, what did why? I get myself yeah, into? Why? Like why and and things like that but it's you know I'm not doing anyone a service if I'm not trying to better myself and to you know better you know my clientele and to understand and you know being in any type of health related field even as a pre-c coach like you have to always want to have that initiative to do better to, to know something else to be better if I'm not bettering myself how can I better someone else um, you know, and things like that. So it was just, you know, I'm not one to totally always brag about what I'm doing. Um, it's just watch me do what I'm doing, um, and things like that. Cause a lot of people say a lot of stuff but don't do anything. Um, and I'd rather not say a lot and do a lot. So yeah,
0: yeah that's awesome. I love it. Work in silence and just let everyone know. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so and, and so we're less than 12 hours removed from the Super Bowl. I saw a very cool statistic um and it was the number of athletes that were playing in the super bowl that were removed from an acl injury i don't know if you saw this but i mean it was like a pretty much an all-star list i obviously like cooper cup um super bowl mvp um odell beckham yeah, jr well. um kind of touchdown in the first half um joe burrow yeah, i'm kind of waiting
1: i'm wait i have my ideas of what happened with him so i'm waiting to see what what comes out to see if I was right.
0: Yeah. I'm curious too, now that you say that, but um, yeah. Joe Burrow, like, I mean, the, the, there was a lot, I think the list had like yeah. close to a dozen names. And, and just think, those about, the just think of
1: how many guys went down. Yeah. Think of how many guys went down this year with ACLs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I mean, it's just the numbers keep going up and up and up on, and these are top athletes. So they train, and they lift in all of those things. And it's why are these happening? And that's kind of one of these things that have piqued my interest and kind of how I've tried to dive now into even more so with all this ACL stuff.
0: So, and this is what I thought would be a nice segue into what you do specifically, doc. I'm just gonna preemptively just say Dr. Morgan. Um, that's fine, uh, has a nice Dr. Ring Mo, Mo works yeah, for me. Has a good ring to it. Uh, <laughs> but it's the recovery and it's the ability to return to to again a high level of athletic performance and in your because you're in the trenches like you see it like you're whether you're like the first person to diagnose it or you're outpatient like you're there um, you see it from almost start to finish or if not literally start to finish what has changed in the last and I don't know the timeline but it feels like in the last like 10 years i feel like adrian peterson was like the first dude that did it where it was like yeah nine months i'm gonna come back i'm gonna have like one of the greatest nfl seasons ever but athletes in general it's it seems like there's been so many breakthroughs or what whatever it might be where this injury that was once like devastating like you're gonna you're terry cl like yeah you'll be able to go play rec league sports but like you're not you're not playing at the level you're at and now it's and I I hesitate to say this, but it's almost like it's becoming the routine surgery in a way like Tommy John surgery, I feel like in baseball became this where it's like, let's just blow out the elbow, let's get it done with and you'll come back better. Like in Tommy John's like that case, like it's almost like you come back literally throwing harder than you did beforehand. It's not quite like that with ACLs, but what are you noticing being on the front line that has changed, that's allowed these athletes to take what was once a gruesome, devastating career and ending injury and make the road to recovery attainable. I'm not going to say it goes away, but attainable.
1: Um, I think part of it's a little bit of the philosophy behind um, that. More than likely, the, it's a reason why it tore in the first place. So if it's a contact injury, there's nothing you could do about that. That's just it was a perfect storm of things, and basically, it was what it was. That you know, just disaster it was. A, it was a car accident. But you're seeing a lot of these athletes tear ACLs with absolutely no contact. So at that point, then that means that there was a deficit somewhere, that there was an imbalance somewhere. These are, like I said, these are peak athletes and there's just something was off, um, whether or not it was within a training load or that, you know, like you'll see like Saquon Barkley as for instance, look at his thighs. They're massive for how small he is he's I think he's what maybe six feet so it's like when he and I think it was a non-contact ACL on, on top of it so it's like okay was his quads too strong for his hamstrings in relation to the position that he played so when you look at it on the back end I'm going to now re, I'm going to pretend like he's never lifted a day in his life He has to pass all of these things. He has to get an endurance of the strength, not just strength in of itself. And that's what it was, is most people train to get that 350, you know, on their squat or in their, so they're just hitting a max, but they're not able to sustain that for a long period of time. So you're educating those um, athletes as to listen. You're playing for however many minutes in any sport that you have, how many times, like we'll use alignment and benching. So they're trying to bench, you know, 315, but they can only bench it twice. And they're like super excited. Hey, good for you. However, you're pushing a 315 pound defensive lineman, how many times in one game? And they're like, well, it could be like a hundred times. I'm like, okay, well, you did it twice. So like you're going to set yourself up for failure because your strength endurance is very, very low and everyone's training for a strength maximum and that's it. So I think that's where the shift goes when we're rehabbing these athletes is we're looking at that endurance side of things and they're less likely to, you know, have a re-injury and stuff like that. And with the surgeon I'm working with, we're getting kids cleared in four or five months, not nine to twelve anymore.
0: We're going to touch on that in a minute, but I wanted to unpack something you just said that I think is pretty profound for sports performance coaches listening to this podcast. Like we, it's conventional wisdom like summer off season, right? Like let's let's stretch the top of that pyramid. Like let's see how high we can make it. And there's a
1: time and place for that. There's a time and place for that.
0: Yes. But it's almost like the time and place for that like when if you're like in an off season that's a, that's not the time and place for that like you should be working to handle load and manage fatigue better in the off season and yep. really flip the script in and where we might just like generally listen to this might be like yeah we're not we're going to manage fatigue in season it's almost like you we've got that ass backwards late. and it's like you got to do yeah, too late. Your, your max it's strength work in season where you can cut the volume relative to your sport but in the off season, learn, yeah. like, I love how you said, it, like, basically take your 80% effort and just do it and just crush it and sustain yeah. that, that load and that duration so that you can handle that stress and duration impact. Yeah. Whatever, have, you ever whatever taken, have you
1: ever taken a, just taking a normal bar and actually try to bench a hundred reps? So it's just 45 pounds. That's it. You would be surprised at how many guys or people will just even say that people cannot do it. It is 45 pounds. And just to do a straight 100 reps, they gas out. Mm-hmm. And they're like, by the time you get to about probably, usually if you're in any type of shape, you can get to about 60 to maybe 75. And then you want to stop and you're not allowed to. So you have to get a nice like rhythm of like two, two or something like that. And just try to maintain that the whole way through and how they feel the next two days are like I couldn't lift my arms. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it was only 45 pounds. what do you thought you benched 315? Mm-hmm. you know and they're and it crushes an ego a little bit and then they understand. it's like, yeah, you couldn't do 45 pounds for a hundred reps. It's not that heavy if you really think about it like 45 pounds. but the load, is what gets you and that's what that's the missing piece is that is the is the long term of like overload yeah
0: exactly. so. can you run fast once or can you run 80 percent of that for 60 minutes yeah it's it is interesting i'm sure this is now thought-provoking and there's probably people on the other side of the the headphones, and they're like, Well, this, that, and this, that, and this, that. And it's like, Well, I mean, yeah, okay, well, I, there's a time and there, place uh, yeah. for
1: everything, and that's
0: what's there's important. And it's for us as coaches, it's helping these athletes navigate that time and place. And a lot of times, coaches will get caught up in the athlete's ego and their ego, and what sells their training. If I don't do this with the athlete, they're going to leave, and I'm not going to get paid this, that, the other thing. And that's, yeah. it's mean, it's a, a, it's a factor. Um, not
1: always fun. It's yeah. not always fun. Yeah. You gotta do it. You yeah. You gotta do it. Interesting.
0: So now this is this is the creme de the creme. We're gonna transition this because you touched on it briefly. We've hinted at it. The work that you're doing with the surgeon you're working with, right? For your yeah. I don't know if it's I'm not a doctor, nor am I ever going to be one. So I don't know if it's like your dissertation. But you though you could I am so far removed from anything, education, there's no shot. Um, I would much rather spend time talking to people who want are gonna be doctors such as yourself. Um I don't know if it's a thesis, a dissertation, whatever. I don't know what your PhD, right? But tell us a little bit more about- It's it's gonna
1: be, yeah. So it'll be, I'll have a doctorate um, in athletic training and then we have to do an applied research project. Applied research project. And that's, yeah. So that's where um, to have a full PhD, you have to do, um, it's all research-based. So I'm still a doctor, but in a clinic base that's the no, difference stop
0: your doctor you're not like an MD but <laughs> I still PhD. get to say I'm a doctor yeah, I'm a still a doctor I have
1: this I have this argument just the letters them. after my name yeah, are a little no, bit different
0: PhD <laughs> PhD is a your a doctor medical doctor means you like you're like a you know whatever surgeon or whatever but like no doctor's a doctor um tell us a little bit about the work you're doing with this doctor and cause you just mentioned like you're getting people cleared like four or five, six months, like people are yeah. going to hear this and be like, what? And I literally heard you say this twice now. And I'm like, still blown <laughs> it's away. Great. About it. But tell us a little bit yeah. about the work you're doing.
1: So um, I'm doing this with Dr. Matthew Vericello out of Penn Highlands, Um, And he's working with um, one of the surgeons through um, Marshall. So they're, pretty much the only doctors in the country that are doing this fertilized ACL um, with the quad tendon. um, And they're using the um, athletes and their patients bone marrow to put back into the tunnels um, to facilitate facilitate healing, um, which is allowing us to load the graft um, sooner. Um, now, if you have a meniscal tear, that's the only thing that kind of holds it back. So that's where you're kind of getting like that five month um, instead of four. But if it's an isolated ACL, then we can pretty much if based on how my program is going right now, um, you're looking at like getting cleared in like four months um, and I'm completely writing it. He's behind it um, in the phasing of, of everything. And it has that same philosophy of you know, that strength and stabilization endurance. So it's everything is high reps. Um, and then we add a load, but you're looking at running in three and a half weeks, four weeks. Um, you know, I had my soccer players, she literally was punting a soccer ball like six, seven weeks out. Um, now, mind you, there's a lot of things behind that. And I'm highly on top of what's going on and the effort and things like that as to, is was like, Hey, kick this at like 30% effort right now. But I mean, at 50% effort, she's kicking a soccer ball, like 20 yards easily, like n- not even an issue at seven weeks, you wouldn't even be running until three, four months. So we're way, way ahead of everything. Like she was at two months, she was testing at three months in um, four months. And then at three months, she actually was testing at six months. Um, And that's where kind of we were like, oh, geez, we didn't realize what we were doing. Um, I was just rehabbing her how I how I thought I should um, based on the parameters that the surgeon, um, Dr. Matt gave me. And when we tested, I said, hey, what do we do with this information? Like she's testing at six months already at three months. And he said, all right, let's um, let's functionally test her. And then we took one month um to you know kind of dive in a little bit harder and she passed her eighth month report card at four months and it actually was 15 weeks and five days if you ask her it was it was less than less than 16 weeks so and she's been playing a full season of basketball a season she thought she would miss um because she missed her soccer season but she was prepared to miss two seasons of sports and she only had to miss one so if we can get this into, you know, right now, seeing all these NFL players, I mean, you're looking at getting them back, you know, that they may get the playoff season or something if they, you know, tour late in the season, they're coming back better than ever, you know, you tear it in, you know, training camp, you're back for the end of the regular season. So there, there's a potential, you know, for, this to be huge if we can, if we can really get the data and, st- and that's what we're doing right now.
0: And you're talking about, I mean, on a professional level, you're talking about athletes accruing playing time, time, or, you know, so a service card that unlocks their pension post-retirement. Like that's, it's not a lost season yeah. for them. Like that's, there's, right. there's it,
1: depending on, yeah, it could be a, a, a recovery of a season.
0: There's a very, very substantial impact of, I mean, if we talk about like athletes playing it's, and that's, that's phenomenal. But we're talking like for a lot of these kids, like in, in, in general, like professionals, non-professionals just gets them back to playing what they want to do faster. So yeah. you mentioned like fermented yeah. graft and the, and to people listening to this, they might be like, whoa, quad, like the quad tendon is because like, that was like the hot thing in the last five years was well. We're going to use yeah. a chunk of quad, not hamstring, not patella. And then I was talking to you and you're like, no, we do this like fermented quad where you take like the bone marrow and this and that. And I don't know, I I mean, I'm assuming, you know, like what, when you're doing, it's like a research, like I'm trying to figure out the way to word this and articulate it with a new practice, a new theory, a new surgery, whatever it might be, like, where, where does that thought process come from? Like, how do you get like people sit in a room? They're just like, you know what? We're going to take the bone marrow and we're going to use the, the person's bone marrow on this quad tendon. And we're going to like, I mean, you're the closest person. Like where does these these progressive thoughts, how do they even
1: come Um from? Yeah, because right now there's really not a lot of literature at all about you're the this, literature? I keep, I keep <laughs> asking, sure. I'm like, can you throw me something like just to go off of so that like when I'm, I wanna build, you know, my part of it off and they're like, nope, you're it. I'm like, oh, okay, great. Um, but it's kind of, it was, I think, with some of these like biomedical engineers and things like that, that they brought this up and the quad tendon has been, you know, they've used it before, but now it's becoming more mainstream because it represents a more similarity to what the ACL is. You know, the patellar tendon, the hamstring tendon, and even most grafts um, in terms of thickness and, um tensile strength, you know, how much it can hold a load um, is is more comparable with the quad tendon and the ACL than the others. So they shifted to that and then found to, if they added this component and it was people just talk, you know, and somebody is like light bulb, you know, if we could find a way to facilitate the healing of the portals and the tunnels of the graft, then we can attempt to put a load to the graft and start changing the graft from a tendon to a ligament. That is what gets you cleared, and that's what we're working on right now. And we are trying to get you know additional imaging. Um, that's kind of the process we're at now. Is we want to relook at the um, quad tendon as the graft at you know six months out, seven months out, and see how much of its properties have changed from a tendon to a ligament. And when that, if we start getting that information, we're gonna be able to really elevate this program and things like that, and to find out exactly where the change starts happening. But you have to load it. So us being able to load sooner is going to change the tendon into a ligament sooner, which means then you get to perform better sooner. It's yeah. just a progression. And it, it, it just all came from one thought and where the literature was already going. And then you had two surgeons that decided to take this on and they're doing great, great work with it. So I'm just that's thankful to be able to be a part of it. So
0: that's a really cool, uh, you just explained ACL recovery in a way that I actually understood it, right? Like from and my, that's
1: what my job is. That's yeah. <laughs> my job. <laughs> the doctors say it to me in a completely different way, but I get to be the person that can say it so that everyone can sort of understand.
0: That's huge. I mean, it's, it's crazy how like working with athletes that are coming off of any injury, you know, they might feel good and that's great. Oh, but they're
1: going like, to, they're going to feel great.
0: We're like, and, no, but you just explained it yet. so perfectly where it's like, well, you still have to wait for the structural integrity of the graph to change form, whatever. And like that's yeah. the best the easiest way you would just explain it there is like the the process and procedure you guys are using helps facilitate facilitate that change faster and and I'm assuming more effectively, yeah. efficiently. Like yes. that's that's very cool. So I mean it's very exciting yeah. stuff. I think it it's you still just, have to
1: keep them on a tight leash mm-hmm. because they do feel so great. Like you'll have them they're like I feel absolutely normal. And I'm like, well your leg is not normal yet. like you're going to feel better sooner um in most instances um and things like that but then we still have to like we're still doing this very very controlled um like i'll give you a little bit leeway but you're not doing it when i'm not around Mm -hmm. um and things like that because i need to see i need to i have questions while we're doing this like what do you feel do you feel anything? And, you know, and stuff like that. Were you tired? Were you not tired? Could I have pushed you a little bit harder? Um, and things like that where it's, it's really a tightrope walk still, but, um, it's, we're kind of adding like flames to it. So (laughs) flames to the tightrope.
0: it's really interesting. And I hope people, if you, if you're listening to this point, like go back like 15 minutes and just listen to Dr. Mo explain that all over again, because it really is. So far removed from okay, we're gonna get up a telegraph and you're gonna do this, and the timeline is this, and you're gonna yeah. be walking on the treadmill here. And it's just like so it makes um, and I think a lot of my own personal opinion is I think a, a lot of medical rehabilitation procedures are dated. Um, given yeah. the other It takes a long time to change. Yeah, and that's why I'm about well, 17 I years. It's It's literally, you're looking at certain
1: stuff, it's about 17 years to try to change. And then by that time, it's something else has already changed. So it's us trying to, as clinicians, trying to get the word out sooner um, and really get data sooner um, so that we can try to get the changes. and, and, And there's gonna be people that are like, you guys are crazy, it doesn't work and I'm never changing. I like this. I get my results this way and that's totally fine. There's not a you know one-stop shop on on ACL surgeries. It's you know it's just like if you're a senior and you played soccer and you blew your knee out but you also play baseball we're trying to give you that season back. If you're like I don't want to do anything. I'm not taking this like out of, I'm not playing in college. Like this is it. We're trying to give those kids something to still have, Yeah. you know, and then when you take it to a professional level, you take it to a collegiate level, even as well, you know, that's money. Now we're, now we're looking at dollars and cents because these are scholarships. These are, you know, pensions for, you know, post, you know, professional athletes and things like that, because the longer they're out, the, the less money everybody makes. So it's knowing all of those realms and literally appealing to who needs this, you know, but this there's a good chance that this is gonna turn into the gold standard. That's, that's my hopes for it, um, that everyone starts adapting to a fertilized ACL with the utilization of the quad tendon, um, but, like I said, you're still gonna have people that do patellar tendon do and life, hamstring, sure. and it's okay. It is mm-hmm. it is okay. Like, you know, you'll get people will be like, oh, I it's like, no, it's it's fine. Like that works for some people. That's what they need. And you have to look at the integrity of the knee itself. Like if I blew my hamstring long, long ago, and it's not good, I, I can't use the hamstring. You know, like for me, If I tear my ACL in my left knee, I don't have a patellar tendon right now. Like it's gone. So they can't use it. I'm, you know, so I'm stuck using either hamstring or this new fertilized ACL. Like, and even at that, they would have to look at the integrity of my quad tendon. If my quad tendon is not good, you can't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, They would have to do an allograft, which is like a cadaver quad tendon. And they are doing that as well for you know, the more adult population, they're getting an allograft and things like that, but they're rehabbing just as well.
0: It's wild. It's so wild. And <laughs> it's th- very patient specific. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, and that's how it should be, right? Like that's, that's yeah. training. That's metaf- like, it should be individualized to the person on their interests and activities and what in, I would think in the rehab world, like what their body is capable of doing and producing. So it's yeah. it makes total There's sense. a
1: lot that goes into it still on the yeah. on the back end. Yeah. yeah. Like they're going to make sure we're doing the right surgery for the right person, but you know, a normal athlete, this, this quad tendon fertilized ACL is literally forefront. It's forefront right now.
0: It's very cool. And it's a good transition here to something we've talked about and just this this career arc of an athletic trainer. I find it fascinating because I think it parallels that of strength conditioning, um, or even like personal training. If you go into more of like the private sector, um, like what, talk to me a little bit about where you think the state of athletic training is. That's question one. And then the follow-up question to that is how you maybe came to the thought of, Moving into a, a, a DAT program, right? Doctor of Athletic Training, like just how that that career projection in your end like pushed you more into like the medical and education realm.
1: So I mean, I just came back from our winter institute in um, Arizona, and this was one of the things we were talking about. Um, <clears throat> is the course of athletic training, and you know, we know that we are behind the curve when it looks, when you look at you know physical therapy and other other things because it's just we've stayed in our lane and haven't asked questions and kind of just accepted that this is where it is Um, and now we're making with these DAT programs we're really making a push and coming in with fellowships and residencies um, to hire and give more value to what it is that we do Um, you know you get it all the time they're like oh you're a trainer it's like well they're like, so you, you personal train. I'm like, well, that's part of it. Like I can personally train you. Um, I can, you know, do your strength and conditioning. I can do your physical therapy. I can do all of those things. And so we're kind of a Jack of all trades. And so that's kind of where the push is, is that we're trying to increase our up market value. Um, And that was part of why I wanted to do a DAT program was that I value myself and I know that my value is high and that might be a little pretentious or selfish or whatever you want to call it, but no
0: way as a strength, like a strength coach by trade, no way. That is the conversation on this side of the screen as well.
1: Yeah. You know, so it's, you know, your value, but no one else in And the outside value, like values in in terms of the hours are terrible, the pay is even worse. And that's not why you do it. That's not why I do it. I do it to, you know, to give back and, you know, to facilitate, you know, the athletic ability and, and all the stuff that literally mirrors, you know, Parisi's core values and everything. That was also the reason why I, you know, became a franchise owner. Um, is because everything I stood for was what they stood for. And, you know, it just increased my value. Um, so I think that you're looking for the athletic training profession to make a shift um, in, the, in that up market and show the value of what, how athletic trainers can help um, in a collaborative affair, you know, within the athletic system, the healthcare system, they're in, you know, the industrial and occupational setting. Most people don't realize that they can go out to businesses and and rehab and do all those things as well, um, that we can go just about anywhere. So it'll be nice to see the the profession take a huge leap in the right direction.
0: Yeah, that's that's really cool. That you guys get together and, and as like influencers or people who are at the top of the food chain, so to speak, like PhDs yeah. and say, how can we make everything better. Clearly we are the high, higher performers in this, this, industry. How can we make it better? I've seen that same conversation on the strength conditioning side, right? Like strength conditioning coaches, I think are probably one of the only athletic training is probably right there too, where you can have a master's degree in your profession and then be an unpaid intern or yep. get paid minimum wage or a, a, a trash stipend that doesn't even cover minimum wage or your, your livable yep. like rent. You know, like it's 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 crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah.
1: It's and across the board. It's across yeah. the board. It's crazy, crazy. It's brutal. but the where you fix it is people have to stop accepting, accepting those. It. Yeah, yeah. That they're like, well, that's just it. And if you didn't know going into it, you're like, oh my goodness, like you know, twenty eight thousand dollars. You know, to be a strength and conditioning coach or to be an athletic trainer or to be a physical therapist in a you know in that program and you're like no <laughs> that's they literally got you dirt cheap and that's not you know so it's just educating everybody about everyone's value and you have we're trying to you need to use the data to find a way to show like what you're saving or what you know you be like listen like you could be have this type of cost and by utilizing me you're getting i'm saving you you know, $40,000 a patient by, you know, of, of cost. And it's like, Oh, okay. You know, so it's, it's going to, it's a process, but it's, we're trying to go full steam ahead here.
0: Yeah. It's it's really cool. I'm
1: I'm excited with where it's going.
0: So I remember having, that was one of like the first, first things I think when I first met you, I was like, wow, like a PhD and like athletic training, like that's I've, I've only heard of that one, one of other, one of my actually kids, that I, kids, friends that I went to high school with, um, he's a PhD in athletic training and he's a lecturer now at Old Dominion. Um, you know, and I always just yep. assume that like, if you were going to go well, that route, yeah, if you were going to go that route, like pure academia, like then that's what you do. But it's like, you're the opposite. You're like, no, I'm going in the trenches. And yeah. I think that that's, yeah like i respect the hell out of that and it just sounds more my speed but it is cool to see that there is that side of it like applied research applied it's like applied athletic training like hey let, give me your knee let me let me yeah. let me let me jiggle your quad or something. you know like it's crazy so yeah it's just very cool and i was i was really pumped that you were able to share that to everyone listening because there's and we get that something question that a lot.
1: hopefully yeah this is something hopefully that like once i finish you know maybe on a on the pre-c level is that we start looking at some of these things, you know, and take certain athletes and whatever and monitor, you know, specific goals. And that's a way to determine whether or not do we need to change the program or is there a way to make the program better or get, you know, just to give even more value to what we're doing for, you know, more people to come and kids to show up and, you know, because people want the numbers. They're like, Mm -hmm. what do you, how's this going to work? Like, you know, and I can sit here and tell you a story and story and story and and all of this stuff. But if I have actual numbers on top of it and things like that and be like, listen, like it, if we say from like, this is what an ACL surgery costs and that, you know, if we can fix it here on top of improving performance, you know, if the likelihood of that happening is going to be reduced, it's not, doesn't mean it still can't happen but if it's we can reduce those then we're upping the playing field on top of it like there's just so much forward progression that you can take this and work with everyone like we could we could do huge things even more than what we're doing now
0: it's really neat it's really cool um samantha morgan dr mo is there any last things you want to say on the Parisi pod? Where can people find more Samantha Moe? Um, if people have any follow-up questions, like wh- where do you? What do, what's the parting words here for Dr. Moe?
1: Um, I think that, I mean, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. Um, it's Mo underscore fitness underscore Parisi um, on Instagram. You can find me on, uh, you can just look for me, Samantha Morgan. I'm not that hard to find. Um, and then it's just taking, I think people need to take a step back. Um, I think we're always too tunnel visioned in our trainings and, um, from a coaching standpoint and an athlete standpoint, um, and look at, you know, the ins and outs of what it is we're asking our bodies to do. Um, if you're game and you're shooting, you know, 40 jump shots a day. Why are you not doing at least 50 squats um, or 50 jumping jacks or something that mimics those motions um, to help reduce injury? And I think, you know, just creating those lines of communication. So, I mean, if anyone ever has a question, a comment um, about anything, please like shoot me an email. Um, it's mofitness13 at gmail.com. Um, you know, if you guys need to, I'm more than happy to have any type of conversation with anybody. So
0: love it. I'll make sure that is in the show notes as well. Samantha Morgan, Dr. Mo, I look forward to staying connected, obviously, and seeing oh, what yes. you're doing on the research side of life and application side of life as right now. Bro, yes, we're right so now. Cool. We're
1: getting into that project. So I'm more than happy to, you know, do another podcast with Parisi podcast um, to go over further into my project I oh, will
0: nerd um, out you know maybe oh, at yeah. this
1: beginning of, uh end of summer getting into things that will be probably knee deep into this research project
0: hell yeah for sure. let's do it hell yeah let's <laughs> do it well thank yeah. you so much for joining us and we will you just heard it people thank we're you. doing round two later this year for sure
1: yes yeah, so I'm excited